Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, this morning uh, we're going to get straight into the Word of God. And uh, I'm in the last message today of a seven-week series, which has been going for the last three months. And uh, I want to sum it off by uh, just recapping this morning, and I've included the recap in my time today. Um, and, uh, And we've been talking about eternal perspectives. We've been talking about how different it is for our lives to be lived when we have a biblical understanding of truth regarding what is going to happen to you and I and everybody else once they leave this earthly body. And so we've been looking into the fact that our life is just such a short span. It's literally like a drop of water in the Pacific Ocean compared to eternity. And when we focus and put all of our efforts into the temporal world, we lose sight of the fact that we're going to be around for eternity. And so we've been looking at trying to gain a focus right here and now so that we can live our lives different. And in the first message, I talked about living in the light of eternity. Luke 19, the parable of 10 minutes. And the bottom line of that message was this. Jesus said, do business till I return. What business was he was talking about? Using our time, our talent, and our treasure to serve the living God here and now in order to make a difference for eternity. Amen? And it's not about using our time, talents, and treasure to build our own empires, but to build the kingdom of God. Message number two, I talked about loving the wrong world. How 1 John 2.15 is in your face, and it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we talked about this fatal attraction that so many have with the power of the world. And their affections have, they've sold out to the world and to the things of the world and the fatal attraction has caught them in their web and as a result. And I talked about in that, I I gave a bottom line and I said this, if you fall in love with the world and you're a Christian, that you might retain your legal relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the salvation that he's given to you, but it will be at the expense of your experiential relationship with God, which is intimacy with the Father. That you can't have both. You can't have your affections on the world and your affections on the kingdom of God. One will lose out. And when we love the world, we lose our experiential relationship with the Father. That is intimacy with Him. So don't love the wrong world. In the third message, I talked about living under heaven's mindset. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things and not on things here on the earth. Amen. And that the power of living as successful, the power of living a life for God here and now is all to do with focus. It's about where are we setting our mindset? Where are we focusing our mind, our thoughts? Are we pulling down heaven's paradigm for our life? Are we allowing God's thoughts to become our thoughts? Because the scripture says, 
My ways are not your ways. Amen. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways, God says, are higher than earth's ways. And so to live effectively with an eternal perspective, set your mind on things above. You know, we talked about there as the shower illustration. You know, when you come home from work and you're dirty and you're smelly and you take your work clothes off and you jump in that shower, you don't get out of that shower once you're cleaned up and then proceed to put the same smelly work clothes back on. You've just cancelled out the cleansing power of that shower. And yet so many of us get trapped into going back to our old thoughts, our old mindsets, our old ways, and we're cancelling out the power of Christ's salvation over our lives. And so that was the third message, living from heaven's mindset. The fourth message I talked about how to be truly rich in life, that Jesus said this powerful sentence, your life does not exist in the abundance of the things that you possess. What a powerful line. Because everyone is pursuing things in the world. And as a result of that, there's this subtle one word that creeps even into our lives as Christians, and it's greed. And God says, godliness with contentment is a great asset. It's great gain within our lives. Amen. That when we learn to live for Christ, we learn this thing called contentment. And we don't allow greed into our life to pursue us. The rich man who had so much possessions, he had nowhere to put them. He built bigger barns, more barns, more space to store my possessions. There was only one thing is that he he didn't calculate for this appointment with God. You fool. You fool. That's what God calls us when we're focusing everything in this life about the temporal. He said, you fool, this night. Today, right here, right now, your soul shall be required of you. And it's all very well for us to plan for our retirement. But when we're leaving the kingdom of God out of it and we've focused and allowed greed to get a hold of us, we've made a major miscalculation. Message number five, preparing for that day. What's that day? That day that every person, righteous or unrighteous, will have to appear before God. When we prepare our lives for that day, then we can live effectively for today. Amen. We live our lives with different priorities when we have an eternal perspective that everyone one day is going to have an appointment with the master and nobody will be late for that appointment. Nobody. You might be well known. You might be renowned for being late to your appointments, but you will not be late for that appointment. Because it's appointed unto man to die once and then face the judgment of God. Number six, which was a really difficult message for me to bring. And it was difficult in the sense that it had actually been a while since I'd really shared and preached on the subject. But it's a subject that I very rarely hear many pastors preaching on. And the reason for that, friends, is that there is so much conjecture and there is now heresy that has entered the church of Jesus Christ globally where they are eradicating the doctrine of hell. That how could a loving God ever send anybody to a place of torment and torture? What sort of a God would that be? And last week I taught you from Jesus Christ's own mouth, from his own words, 
that in the place called hell, every person that goes there has a personal worm, a worm that never dies, and a place where someone's thirst is never, ever quenched. You are so thirsty, but you can never feel the quenching of thirst in that place, a place of sulfur, a place of burning, a place of everlasting torment. And God never created that place for human beings. He made it for the ones who rebelled in heaven in which there is not even one iota, one ounce, one millimeter of repentance in the devil and the angels that went with him. And because of their rebellion, there was consequences. And those consequences were that God created the lake of fire from the rebellion that was led from heaven by Lucifer. And that place there, and so God never sends anybody to that place. People make a decision. If they reject Christ, then they're going to a lost eternity, a place of torment. And so friends, that motivates me. I have family members, I have children right now. Children, my own children right now. That I cannot be sure of where their eternal destination is if I'm reading the words of Christ and the words of the Bible. And my goodness, that motivates me. It motivates me to pray. It motivates me to share. It motivates me to, to do all that I can while I can in this body. Because that place is an awful place. God doesn't want anyone to perish. None. Not one. But that all should come in repentance before Him. So finally this morning, there's the recap. Message number seven, the perfect number, the number of completion. We finish our series this morning, and this morning's going to be focusing on the judgment seat of Christ. And this is the place where every Christian, from the time that you received Jesus Christ, the old man was gone, the new has come. You are a new creation, and all things have been made new in your life. And right from that point on, God gives you, a, you and I a brand new start. Amen? And from that time to the time that either Jesus returns and you may still be alive, but if the Lord tarries and we pass on, from the time that we receive Christ to the time that we are no longer here in the body, we will have to give an account of the way that we lived our lives here on earth. I'm amazed that so many believers don't understand. They think that just because they've received Christ that there is no judgment for them. And friends, this isn't a judgment on your destination. If you've received Jesus today, your destination, He's already set it for you. You have your passport. You can pass from earth's territory into heaven's territory because Jesus has stamped your passport and He's made a way for you to get to heaven. So this judgment seat of Christ is not about, it's not about your destination. It's about judging the deeds that you did whilst you were in your body as a believer. And as a result of that, that will determine how you spend eternity, not where, that's already been decided by Jesus, but how you spend your eternity. And I touched on it a little bit. So here we go. So Father, we just pray this morning, Lord, with the children and airspace as well, we just ask today, Lord, that their word of God would be quick and powerful and it would enter into their minds, hearts, and into our very soul this morning, Lord. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So light up 
our path this morning, Lord. Illuminate our mind. Lord, cause our spirit, man, to grow strong as we hear the Word being expounded, Lord, through the Scriptures today in Jesus' mighty name. Let's start this morning in the book of Romans, chapter 14. Now, during during the AV this morning, you're going to have fun because I've stripped some verses out of the message. So you're just going to have to follow me, all right? Okay, so we got the first one right. So Paul's talking to the church at Rome, and he's addressing a problem. And the problem is, is that the Christian brothers and sisters are judging each other. Oh, he's doing so and so, and they're having a they're having a moan at one another. And Paul says this: for to this end. Christ died and rose and live again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? You know why we don't judge our brother? Because we don't know the full facts. We don't know the full facts. And as you're going to discover this morning, it's not just our actions, it's not just our words, but at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be judged on what was happening in our hearts at the time, our motives. Our motives. And we can say, oh, no, I I didn't mean that. But on that day, our motives, if we haven't put them under the blood, they will be exposed at the judgment seat of Christ. Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? Listen, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us. Let's say that together. Each of us, that's me, that's you, shall give account of himself to God. So let's stop digging the dirt up on one another and let's understand that one day we're all going to have to face the judgment seat of Christ. And you know, this is a, this is a big thing for us. Let me just touch on this briefly. It's not in my message, but I just want to touch on it. I have found over the years, and I was even challenged at a period of time for six months in my own life, where I found it so difficult to forgive a person because of what they did to my family. And I was, and, and, and in my heart, hatred was beginning to grow, and it was festering. And I was doing my very best to not allow it to get a grip on my life. But the thing that released me, friends, was this is that that person who wronged my family, they are going to have to give an account before God. And that released my heart to be able to forgive them and move forward in my life because I knew one day they would have to stand before God and give an account of what happened in their lives. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8, we're confident Yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul had a dilemma at the end of his life. He was now at the sage stage. The sage stage. When, you start, when the white ones start appearing, you start entering the sage stage. <laughs> and that's a stage where all of his experiences were so valuable to the body of Christ. All of that stored up wisdom, all of the works, signs and wonders that had been in his life. And he had this yearning to be absent from the body. Because to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. 
And so he longed to be in that place of eternity with God. But he said this, it's more profitable for you that I stay in the body so that I can continue to minister to you. Wasn't he a great guy? The Apostle Paul, there'll be a few people booking appointments with him in eternity. Verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That word in the Greek is one word. Judgment seat is the word bema. Bema. And it means a step, a podium, a rostrum, a tribunal, or a court of justice. We must all appear at the court of justice that each one may receive the things. Listen to this. This is you and me. This is the judgment of believers. Each one must receive the things done in the body according to what he or she has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men But we are well known to God, and I also trust we're well known in your consciences. Jesus said this in John 5.22, For the Father judges no one, but he has committed all judgment to the Son. So who's going to be our judge? Jesus Christ. And he's going to have all the facts. The books will be opened. And he won't be judging off hearsay. He'll be judging off heaven's accounts as the books are opened over our life. And the word judgment, is, it's, it's, it's a mean, it means a decision that results like a criminal investigation where the facts have all been thoroughly researched and that judgment that will be made will be final at that time. And this is the reason Paul went on in 1 Corinthians to say this. Chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but only one receives the prize? Run then in such a way that you may obtain the prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. That means they show self-control in all things. Now they do it, this is talking about professional athletes, they do it to obtain a perishable crown or a gold medal, putting it in today's language. They train, they discipline to get that gold medal. But we do it for an imperishable crown. In other words, crowns are going to be given out at the judgment seat of Christ. Therefore, I run like this, not with uncertainty. I fight like this, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should also become disqualified. Friends, Paul ran with purpose every step of his life. And he understood this, that by nature, God is a rewarder. Amen? Hebrews 11. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That there are rewards waiting for believers, especially those ones who have said, This is a race that God has put me in. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to train myself. And I'm going to run as if I'm going to cross the tape in first place. I want to live my life with purpose. I don't want to waste God's time. I want to live every moment living my life for Jesus Christ. Because crowns are going to be given out 
in eternity. And I want to wait for that commendation that says, well done, good and faithful servant. And if I get a crown, I'll be very happy. But if not, I'll just be happy to be in the presence of God. Amen. And so we're going to go to the famous passage of Scripture this morning. And this is where we're really going to just stop for a moment before we finish the message. 1 Corinthians 3 is the passage where Paul unpacks the judgment seat of Christ. And he likens our lives to a building. And he says, we're like a building. Peter says, you're like a building that's made of living stones. So when he brings people like us together in the church today, I just want you to think about this. When we're eating our kai today, when we're having our meal, we're like living stones that God is cementing and putting into place. And the bonds of those living stones is our fellowship and our connection with one another. So if you're feeling lonely or disconnected today, I really want you to take the opportunity today to find some connection with other people. Amen. And so verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 3, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Listen to this, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. I want you to listen to that because he starts beginning to talk about the building materials that we can choose to build our lives with. Paul says, I'm a master builder, but the scripture says we're all builders. God had given him a blueprint, but he says, we're all builders. I want you to watch carefully how you build, what materials you're building into your life. And he says, the grace of God's been given to me. The same grace that was available to Paul the apostle is available to you and I today to join in this building effort to build the kingdom of God. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the cornerstone and we're building on Jesus. If you're building your life on something else, it's wishful thinking, friends, when you talk about eternity. Jesus is the rock, the cornerstone, the foundation. We're wasting every moment of our life if we're trying to build our life on shifting and sinking sand. The Bible says, let's build on the rock and be hearers of the word and doers of the word also. Now listen to this, verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation, here's the materials, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Each one's work will become clear. How? For the day. What day? The day of the judgment seat of Christ. The day that each person will have to appear before Jesus. Because the day will declare it. It will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures the fire, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, listen, it's not the person that's burning here, it's the work. It's what we've done in the body. So if you've still been living a very haphazard, purposeless existence, drifting from day to day as a believer, the Bible says your works are going to be burnt up. But 
If anyone's work which he has built on endures the fire, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. What's the fire, friends? The fire is the blazing glory of God. Eyes as flaming fire, hair as white as wool, feet as, as brandished bronze. It's the picture that God gives us in revelation of the just judge, Jesus Christ. And when you stand before him on your own, without your posse, without your whanau, without your support group, but standing before the living God on your own, that fire is going to reveal what you actually really did with what God asked you to do in your life. Now, if you've wasted that gift that God has given to you of salvation, the Bible says you're building with the wrong materials, wood, hay, and straw. What happens to those materials when heat's applied? They're flammable. They burst into flame and there's only ashes left. You yourself, Paul says, are going to be saved, but you're going to be saved at a great loss of reward. Now, friends, this is where we need to get. Heaven is not a place of equal opportunity. I'm sorry to tell you this, that the Bible clearly shows us that there's those that have reward to whom already has much more shall be given. But to whom has, some will be taken away from because they have not built with the right materials. They haven't built on the will of God. They've lived fancy free doing their own thing, living their own life without direction from the Lord. And as a result, on that day, the materials are going to burst into flame. What is exactly going to be examined on that day? Revelation 22 verse 12 says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his, his work what we're actually doing with our time. Also, Jesus said, our words are going to be judged. Matthew 12, 36, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. That word idle is the word argos. It means ineffective, worthless, unfruitful. So every unfruitful word that has been spoken, you will give an account of it. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Are your words words seasoned with grace or are they harsh words? Are they curse words? Are they blasphemy words? Friends, it's not going to cost you if that behavior is if that behavior has not been put under the blood of Christ through seeking forgiveness then i just want to let you know it's going to be exposed on that day because our works our words we will give an account and the bible says not only our works and words but listen to this i really want you to if, if you catch anything this morning just catch this 1 corinthians 4 you know, it's interesting, the church at Corinth was filled with spiritual gifts, but it was also filled with a lot of sinful behaviour. 
The church should never pretend to be perfect because we're not. We're sinners saved by the grace of God. But I want to tell you this morning, friends, you are on a journey to maturity. God wants to shift you from the milk to the meat. He wants you to grow up. He doesn't want you to stay an infant. He wants you to use discernment and knowledge. He wants you to grow in wisdom and stature. Amen. Before God and before men. It's you know, a toddler doesn't stay a toddler forever. If I'm still putting my 16-year-old in the high chair and say, open wide for daddy, choo-choo, the train's coming in and I'm spoon-feeding my 16-year-old. There's something wrong. What's wrong? I've refused to grow up. I've refused to grow up. And so Paul says this, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 4, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by human authority. So he's saying, I'm not going to take necessarily the words that you speak about my life. I'm not going to put a lot of weight on that. And then he goes on to say something remarkable. Listen to this. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. In other words, my judgment of how I'm living my own life can even be distorted. I'm not going to trust it. Amen. We often think, what we think about ourselves can be very different to what the Lord thinks about our lives. So even the great apostle says, I'm not even going to trust my own judgment. Why? He says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time. Before the Lord returns. Isn't it going to be amazing, friends? You know, some of the mega stars of the church of Jesus Christ, they're not going to be the ones on the platform in heaven. And I'm not dissing them this morning or anyone that's got a big church or anything else like this. I'm just going to make a point like this. The Bible says the hidden members of the body are even more value, valuable than the physical members of the body. Those unseen kidneys, those unseen pancreases, those unseen hearts of the body of Christ that you never see on stage, but who are praying constantly behind the scenes, who are giving generously behind the scenes, who the left hand and right hand don't even communicate together because they're so humble before the Lord. Friends, we're going to get a fright because on that day we're going to see some of them on the stages of heaven. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. Why? For He will bring our darkest secrets to light. He will bring our darkest secrets to light. You got anything in the closet right now? I suggest it's a good time to bring it out and let the light of God shine on it. What else is He going to do? And he will reveal our private motives. Friends, words is one thing. Deeds is one thing. But why you do things is another thing altogether. Because often when we're challenged, we say, no, I, I wasn't thinking like that. But God says, no, I know how you were thinking. I know what was truly in your heart. And I know what was truly motivating you. And you can, you, can, you can squirm all you like, 
but I know the private motives of the human heart because the heart is a motive generator. Your heart generates motives in your life. And then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Hidden thoughts and motives are going to be revealed at the judgment seat. Luke 8, 17. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be made known and come to the light. Have you ever thought about this, friends? Why do we need to confess our sins? Have you thought about this? Does the Lord know about your sins? Does He already know everything about you? then why do you have to confess it to him? Because this is what happens when we confess a sin. We are actually saying, God, I am in agreement with what you already know about my life. And I'm now bringing it from the darkness and I'm bringing it into the light. And now we're in agreement. I'm not kidding myself anymore. I know exactly what heaven's thinking about me. And now I'm in the place of agreement because I've confessed my sin. As we finish this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Now the purpose of the commandment, Paul talking to the young, Timothy pastor, uh, young Pastor Timothy, is love from a pure heart. The purpose of the commandment, to love God and to love one another. What's the purpose? Is love from a pure heart. No mixed motives. Purity, sincerity, integrity. From a good conscience and from sincere faith. Warning, warning, verse 6. From which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk. How does that happen? We sear our conscience. Gossip is one of the worst things that you can do to your own heart. Because when you start talking about others behind their back and running them down behind their back, you're actually hurting yourself. You're searing your own... Have you ever wondered why you felt so terrible after you've come away from a gossip session? It's because you've crossed the line of your own conscience and you've seared it. Now here's the problem. We do it once. We've probably still got some sensitivity left. But we do it twice, three times. It's the same effect as what you do if you put your thumb on the hot element on the stove. All the nerve endings in the end of your thumb will be seared. And what that means is that next time, once it's healed, next time you touch something, you can't feel it anymore because your nerve endings have been sealed. When we consistently break and cross our conscience, the conscience of the heart that God has given to us. He says there's such a thing as a good conscience. What does that mean? That means that you've listened to your conscience and you've responded to your conscience and you haven't said it by crossing the line and going places where you know that you shouldn't go. So he says, some have strayed because they've turned aside to idle talk. What's that word idle mean? Worthless, ineffective, and unfruitful words. Words that don't build, words that pull down. 
So pure heart, good conscience, sincere faith, all about clean motives and right attitudes. Friends, this is how we stray. So as I finish the series today, I trust that you've been blessed. I trust that as I've studied the scriptures, I've been equally challenged, I can tell you, again, in my own life, on living a life with purpose and living a life with an eternal perspective. I need to make sure that I'm building my life with gold, silver, and precious stones. You can apply heat to all of them, and they will not lose their original property. In fact, when you apply heat to gold, you can purify it and make it even purer. But wood, hay, and straw is going to go up in flames. Can I, can I encourage you once again to seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33, and his righteousness to live right before God. And all the things the world is pursuing, God says he'll give them to you. You don't, have, you don't have to be on a pilgrimage and a search and putting all your effort into houses, cars, jobs, everything else. If you're putting the king and his kingdom first, God says, I'll add those to your life. It's all about, friends, priority in our lives. Let's let the final word come from the Apostle Peter. We've heard a lot from the Apostle Paul over this series. What does Peter say? Verse, chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. Here's eternity. He's talking about eternity here. Of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 11 in the NIV. And this is my heart's cry for all of you here today and for myself. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Is that what we want, friends? Is that what we desire? You know, life can get complicated at times. Things aren't so easy. Sometimes things aren't so black and white. We go through difficulties in our relationships, especially if you have a long-term relationship that begins to break down and you can't seem to find your way back. There's lots of heart stuff that goes on and all, that, all the, the wranglings and, and the desire for reconciliation and to get things right. But friends, I want to tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. Just remind yourself one day, that every word, every deed, and every private motive will have to be judged at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the children in the service today. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. What a great proverb, Lord. And this morning, Lord, we encompass our families, our loved ones. We encompass our life with fresh purpose. And this morning, Lord, we pray today, if there's business that needs to be done with the King of Kings, let it be done, Lord. Help us not to put off 
tomorrow what we need to get right today so that our heart will not become hardened and our conscience will not become seared. But we will live with a good conscience, a pure heart and a sincere faith. So Lord, I pray for every person listening today, those listening over the internet, I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that Lord, you would help us to be real with you, to be honest with you, and to clean up the things that need to be cleaned up and to bring them before the living God. We're asking this today in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Before